One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The Squareball Podcast. All right, it's Dan from the Square Ball Podcast and welcome to the first in our new spin-off series, The Long Ball. Uh, we've been wanting to do some more long-form stuff for a while now where we sort of sit down and have one big chat with people in the Leeds United world, um, hence the name, The Long Ball. So if you want silly voices and the sort of same tired old jokes as the regular podcast or you have a short attention span or whatever, uh, then you might be disappointed with this. We feel um, though that some stuff's really worth delving into, especially when it comes to uh, subject matter as interesting as Leeds United. So uh, we've lined this one up. We've been talking to various people about coming on to have a chat with us. So we will keep you posted on that. Keep watching this space. But what better way to start off than to talk to the people who've made some of the biggest headlines recently? Uh, I've been in dialogue with Sharon Reed from Leeds Fans United on and off for a bit actually about sitting down just to find out more about them and, and their plans. And obviously everything sort of sprang into life when they struck that verbal agreement with Massimo Cellino to buy... Uh, Leeds United and then it all unwound pretty quickly so it seemed like a pretty good time uh, to get it set up and, and to make it happen so me and Michael from the podcast we got together with Dylan Thwaites and Sharon Reed from Leeds Fans United in the evening of Sunday the 8th of November straight after the Huddersfield victory and we had a natter about the state of Leeds United and fan ownership and Massimo Cellino uh, I have to say, Dylan and Sharon, they were really, really open and they were great company. They stayed to chat for us for a bit after we finished recording as well. Um, there is a bit of financial speak in the middle of this podcast, which they, I think they were concerned it might have been quite heavy going, but I have left it in because I think it's really worth hearing. And it helps to illustrate the amount of planning and detail that's gone into what LFU have done. And for the sake of transparency as well, I should say that I don't have shares in LFU and neither does the square ball itself. Um, some of our contributors do, though, and Michael, who was sitting in on the podcast, he does. Um, it is self-explanatory, I think, that being a fanzine, we obviously back the idea of fan ownership. But um, prior to us recording this, I hadn't met either Dylan or Sharon previously, so it was new ground for me too. Uh, there are references uh, throughout this to LFU. That's obviously short for Leeds Fans United. That's the vehicle that's trying to buy a share in the club. Uh, there's also references in there to CBS, which is short for Community Benefit Society, which is how the fans can buy shares in LFU for smaller amounts between 100 quid and £10,000. Anything over £10,000 and the buyer gets shares directly in LFU itself. So hopefully that clears it up for you so you understand the terminology. 
Uh, one thing before we get into it as well, I wanted to say thanks for your ongoing support with the fanzine. Uh, we have been nominated again for the Football Supporters Federation Fanzine of the Year, which is the uh, it's the fifth year on the trot. Um, we've been nominated for that. Hopefully we'll retain the trophy because we've won it twice now, uh, although we don't expect to uh, this year. There's a full explanation of that on the latest new podcast, Podcast 96. Um, keep looking out for it on sale at home games. We really appreciate you buying it. Don't forget as well to have a look at the squareball.net too if you're thinking of buying a gift for Christmas. We've got a couple of brilliant books for sale on there. Limited numbers of signed copies of John Howe's book about Ellen Road, plus a fantastic chronicle of the first 20 years of the squareball put together by the guy who created the mag, uh, Ian Dobson. He edited it for the first 20 years, uh, years of its life before we got our hands on it. it um, it's a brilliant time capsule, actually, and it sort of charts all the successes and failures and the heartbreaks, of course, uh, back before football was completely ruined. Um, all the money from both books goes direct to the authors as well. We don't get a penny. We don't really want a penny. Um, so yeah, please do check those out when you get a moment. They are at thesquareball.net. Uh, and cheers for listening to this. And here it is. Welcome Dylan Thwaites and Sharon Reeds. Nice Hi. to have you along. Thanks for choosing to speak to us as well. We really appreciate it. So uh, I'd like to start, if I may, with a little bit of background about yourself. So anybody who's not familiar with uh, who you are as the people who are, are running LFU, um, so Dylan, I'll start with you if that's okay. And your background goes back to internet search engines and the turn of the millennium and fancy things like that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I was uh, lucky enough to start a search engine marketing company uh, around the turn of uh, 2000 um, and then sold that in 2007. Uh, which uh, left me with a, a lot of free time to do things like this. <laughs> uh, Sharon, your your background then is, is marketing. Yeah, I've I've worked in PR and marketing for for over eighteen years now. I was at um, Edelman, which is the biggest PR company in the world, um, as as chief operating officer. So it's it's something I've done for for many years. But you know, equally, the rest of the exec, um, you know, run businesses, um, have bought and sold businesses, uh, are incredibly experience too and we've been supported throughout this by over 100 people just other normal lead supporters like us who've given their time um, and efforts for free I mean we were trying to figure out where we how much sort of time we've had sort of in the hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of of time that's been given to us um, for free as we've worked through this over the last nine months. And you are still managing to hold down an actual job? Yes. <laughs> Not sure how well I'm doing at holding down the other job, but but yes, uh, you know, uh, myself and, and Steve, um, you know, both work full time. Um, Howard and, and Dave um, both do a lot of regular consultancy, so so everyone still has a, a day job. And I'm missing out on holidays and things like that. Yes. <laughs> uh, Dylan, is, is it right then, Dylan, that you were originally involved with Together Leads in its original incarnation? Yeah, because once I'd sold the business, I'd got you know enough money on a serious level. I'd got enough money not to need to work again, but not enough money to pay footballers' wages. Um, so when Mike Farnan came along, um, to be honest, I wanted just to check him out because you know there's a lot of uh, rumours about whether he was good for Leeds or, or or everything. So I got in touch with him um, and ended up meeting him and found him to be you know quite straightforward and and exactly what he said he was. Uh, but I made the point that look, I'm not going to be one of the consortium. You know, I'm not prepared to put millions into into leads, uh, but I'd be happy to help, kind of with their understanding of what they needed to do and uh, and the background. And that also let me kind of get a good feel for you know how realistic their position was. So I met with Mike a couple of times um, on on that basis uh, and met a few of uh, you know his together leads consortium and got an understanding of what they were trying to achieve. 
Um, so from that point, then sort of um, together, Leeds handed over the name uh, and then became Leeds Fans United. So take us from, if you could, that point to uh, when you're sat in a room with Massimo Cellino offering to buy the club. <laughs> How does that come about? Right, really, really quickly. So uh, 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 Gary Cooper and uh, uh, put together a group of about 15 Leeds fans that, I mean, I'd not met Gary at that stage. The only person I knew in the room actually was Mike Farnan, who was in that room. And we all talked openly about what was going on at Leeds. This is in December. Uh, and it was clear that we, we we could either just wait for a white knight to come along and rescue us, or we ought to do something about it. And I think probably just because of my background of a, having free time and having an entrepreneurial background, uh, I was asked to lead that up and I agreed to lead it up for the first four weeks to get us to uh, a public meeting and the purpose of the public meeting really was to just gauge whether the you know the view that we'd got in that room in December was reflected amongst uh, any significant proportion of the fan base uh, so we got about 250 people uh, in in the room um, and about 1200 online uh, following it live uh, so it's clear that we'd got some interest uh, at that stage, we also managed to get Alan Clark to come in as patron of what we were doing. Uh, I agreed then to take it on um, in, into you know a more solid position. But at that point, I said, look, we need to have a proper executive, you know, of, of people with proper skills. And this is where Sharon came on board, and uh, and you know the, the high quality of executive that we we got on board uh, came into it. We then worked through till April, building a structure that was designed to take a minority stake in, in Leeds United. Um, and then we launched that in April, uh, obviously to a bit of fanfare and, you know, picking up a, uh, more than a thousand investors, a few, th- a few hundred thousand of, uh, of investment. Um, we realised that, you know, at all stages we've talked to significant people in this equation. Um, but it was clear that we needed to build some rapport uh, with Massimo Cellino. So we made that uh, connection. Um, I, I met with Massimo a number of times over the last four or five weeks, uh, you know, re- repeated meetings. Um, and we obviously keep the things that we do, we keep confidential to the point where, you know, that it's helpful to what we're doing and, and we share it when we can do but obviously we kept those meetings confidential um but the thing that kind of brought that out into the open was uh when massimo uh stopped the uh, away tickets at 2000 um i just happened to be in the in in his uh office when he was talking to a couple of his lawyers on uh, about that and how they were taking it forward with sky and the football league um and it just not that it's our topic really because we're a single issue uh, organization which is to get fan ownership fan voice into Leeds United um, but it was just I thought it was important that you understood that we actually had got a very shared objective here that as much as it was screwing around with the finances of Leeds um, on the Sky TV stuff and it and it absolutely does I can see that uh, the screw around for fans is equally as important and you know, the net effect was he understood what I was saying and agreed to uh, drop the 2000 limit um, and, uh, and you know, allow us to increase our numbers. So, I mean, my 
even if we get nothing else out of this, you know, about two and a half thousand Leeds fans who wouldn't have seen uh, the 3-0 at, at, at Huddersfield got to see it because of the, because of Leeds fans United's intervention there but obviously anyway what that meant was we had to come public at that point that we were talking to Massimo which obviously hyped everything up a little bit um, but it, even at that stage we were talking about how we could progress a minority stake um, with him uh, but you know we, we the, the, the whole thing really came to a head after the Blackburn game um, you know, where we lost 2-0 at home and uh, uh, Massimo time to go was chanted. Uh, we'd, in order to hand over the Sky TV uh, conversation to the correct people, I, the other fan groups such as the Supporters Club and, and Lust and SLI and SS5 and all the, the, the various members, clubs uh, and, and, and such like, we'd organised a meeting at Ellen Road for uh, a whole bunch of the supporters groups, which Massimo was uh, due to attend. Um, I, I, I was away on one of my many holidays. But <laughs> um, Massimo said to me, said, um, uh, if you're retired, why do you need holidays? <laughs> so I, I couldn't beat that logic. Uh, so probably now is the time to pass on to Sharon, who was actually hosting that meeting and is responsible for what happened next. Well, just before we do that, just to um, pop into something that you mentioned there, um, was he amenable initially then to this idea of a minority state? Was that something that was possible? Oh, absolutely. It's something that, that once we'd built the rapport, you, you know, if you think over a series of meetings, you build a, a decent rapport once once we'd built the rapport i think he was i think he was trying to contemplate he was happy to work with us but not sure whether he wanted to work with the fans and he was trying to if if you know what i mean he was trying to understand what the mass of the fans thought and how that related to what 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 we were doing so i think it was won over with the leeds fan united part of it but not sure where the fans were and what they th- you know what what they were thinking and at that stage it was just about buying the gfh share there's nothing it was not about dilating his share uh, no it, it was it's specifically about buying a minority stake and because we think that gfh are unlikely to want to sell their shares the the, the problem gfh have got as we understand it is that that the the value that they tell their shareholders on the stock market mm-hmm. the value of leads is isn't really the value that they could get for Leeds now. It's the value they could get for Leeds in the Premiership. So therefore, if they do do a deal, they're going to have to report a significant drop in value to what they've got with their shareholders. And they've had repeated problems, you know, with the stock their their stock exchange of overvaluing assets. So they really could do without that crystallising. So I think it would be quite difficult for GFH to sell until we get to the Premiership. So this would have been... Um, in relation to taking a minority share from within the the, the, the Chilino, it's not actually controlled, but Chilino influenced uh, from the family holders. trust, is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, technically, because it's a trust, he doesn't control it. Of course, he doesn't. Yeah, stop winking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Sharon, you uh, came on board then at the stage where things were formalised within LFU. Um, and what's led you from that point then to sitting in this room with Massimo? Because you're the one who, who shook hands on this deal. So as Dylan said, we had this um, session booked in on the Friday morning with all of the supporter groups to talk about the Sky TV and the, and the fixture changes issue. And 
and I'd gone to his office just to to pre-brief him of, of sort of who was in the room and what was going to happen. Um, you know, and as soon as I walked in, you could sort of cut the atmosphere with a knife. You know, he was he was very upset um, about the fans chanting against Blackburn. I mean, he genuinely was 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 devastated. He said he'd never he'd never heard it before, and and so many people have said, how is that possible? You know, that wasn't the first time it was ever chanted but it was definitely the first time he'd heard it and he said you know the fans don't want me I'm out I quit I'm I'm, I'm gone um and I think what he was saying at that point was sort of emotionally he quit that was sort of how it was explained um later um but he you know give him his dues he came up as he said he would and he talked to all of the supporter groups and and he explained firsthand to them the impact that these fixture changes have on the club and um and talked to everybody through that um, and then it was after that meeting that, that he and I um, was having another catch up really and, and talking in, in, in general terms about about what he was going to do next. He was incredibly upset about how his family weren't living in Leeds anymore. He felt that, you know, they'd all been driven out. You know, his, his daughter obviously went last year. His wife was sort of getting abused by Leeds supporters. One of his sons couldn't even go grocery shopping without people shouting abuse at him. And, you know, he, he just felt that, you know, that, that the time had come to... To, to step away um, and we had got round to talking about the minority stake that, that he and Dylan had talked about and, and what was happening next and he said oh, I, I can't I can't sell you a minority stake because x y and z reasons I don't actually remember what they were but but sort of complicated legal reasons why he couldn't do it but he was going to quit and he was gone and I just said well you know we'll, we'll buy it we want you know the, the fans want to own the club and he said okay fine <laughs> that easy and I said okay fine um you said then you felt he'd quit in in inverted commas emotionally. Do you think he agreed this deal maybe from an emotional position? Um, he was certainly very emotional on that day. And as the day went kind of through, he, he, he did calm down quite a lot. So we it sort of stopped being an, an emotional kind of animated conversation and was much more of a sort of structured conversation. Um, you know, and I, and I kind of pushed him on it a couple of times. You know, I was writing, to, he said, write down what I'm saying, write it down. So I was... <laughs> kind of trying to write down as quickly as I could um you know and I said well do you want to get let's get a joint statement out and he said no 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 you you write the statement and I said okay well I'll I'll, I'll write it here's what you've said do you want to sign it off and he said no no it's over to the fans if you want it it's yours take it and go do what you want with it at that point then had you discussed any specifics over price or size of shareholding or yeah I mean he He'd uh, talked about at cost, this figure of um, at cost, which is the money that he's put in. As long as the fan, as long as we were able to come out at uh, and cover his cost, he was happy with that. I think the other point to make is that we we pushed the idea of a minority state because we wanted to bring in the third parties mm. that we've talked to. Um, but he was he was adamant at that point, and this is, I think points to where Sharon's saying you know we're talking very specifically that he didn't want us to bring a third party in. That he's in, you know, saying that I'm selling it to you as fans at cost. Mm-hmm. I'm not selling it to a third party. So it's got to be a whole, uh, you know, it's the whole thing's got to be an LFU deal. It's and not- he talked a lot about this legacy piece. He wanted this to be his legacy to the fans. That's why it had to be the fans. He didn't want to make a profit. This was what he wanted to give to the fans. Yeah, and he wanted to get these messages. I mean, you're not being indiscreet in saying this. This no, is the message this was, that he you know, wanted I, to I get read, out. Yeah. Absolutely, read back everything that he'd said about you know, how he was feeling and he didn't feel anymore that he was the right person to take the club forward. Um, so, you know, he was he was fairly clear on, on where and where he wanted to take things and 
you know, I'd, I'd sort of read back everything that he'd said and he was more than happy for us just to just to get it out there. Um, and, and, you know, I'd sort of left left Ellen Road and, and Dylan and I spoke about, you know, what, what we should do next. And, and clearly, you know, we were set up for this minority stake and, you know, the time and, and effort that had gone into, you know, establishing our structure and how it would work. And suddenly this completely changes everything. You know, it's a completely different deal. Um, so, you know, we talked about, you know, do we just take a couple of days just to look at how we might restructure and, and how it might work, um, you know, it, it sort of within the sort of hour of, of, of finishing meeting Massimo. Um, and then he texts me saying, why, you know, where's the statement? Have I missed it? Um, <laughs> Eager. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, want, wanting us to get it straight out there. So um, I called Adam Pope at BBC Radio Leeds and, and, and obviously very aware that it was just me in the room with Massimo and, um, you know, he'd spoke very highly of, of, of Adam when we were in the meeting. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd sort of brought Adam into the leap of what was happening and, and Adam said, OK, well, I'll, I'll call him, um, which he did. And, you know, and it seems that his conversation with Adam was identical to the one that he had with me. Uh, you know, he wants to sell to the fans. This is his legacy. He doesn't want to make a profit. Um, so we... Well, at that point, then, we'd, we, we'd got a decision to take really rapidly, which was as a group set up to get fan ownership into Leeds United and we got the majority shareholder saying he'd sell us the whole share, would we go ahead with this and go public with this or not? It, we didn't have the luxury of what we'd intended. We, we thought, let's work this over the weekend and we'll come back to, and we can go back to Chilino and say, look, this isn't feasible or, or, or whatever. We hadn't got that luxury. We'd literally got to take the decision do we do that? And if you put it in that context that that's what we were set up to do and that's what we were being offered, the only difference was this was a majority stake, not a minority stake. Um, you know, we'd got to take that um, and and deal with it. Because one of the criticisms that followed it was, well, why did they go public so quickly on the Friday? But from what Sharon said, obviously this is at Massimo's insistence as oh, well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, our timing would have been to reflect on it, just scope it, understand where, where you know what we could do and what we couldn't do because the risk of us going ahead with it was that we'd come back at the end of the, you know the, the weekend um and and say look this is this is outside of our depth and scope as it turned out we worked right through friday night saturday sunday and on monday uh the the whole of the board exec um working constantly through that um at least a dozen or more of the shadow network sampling ideas and running them through legals and how it affects the CBS and how it would affect different things, uh, the whole media plan and everything. Um, and it turns out that we'd got a very credible and professional way that we could move it to a majority position. Um, and then the question then is, you know, what? how do we then deal with that? And we we kind of said that, look, we need to get our media out so that we can show that this is professional and credible as soon as possible because until you've until you've set out the stall it's very difficult to draw mm. in these investors that we we need to you know need to make this piece um and and we need to show that we need to show to uh massimo we don't know at this stage whether he's sincere or insincere in the, in in this office but in this offer but we need to we need to demonstrate to him that 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 we've got capacity to do this that this is a this is a capable deal um and therefore we've you know the stuff that we've worked on through those 72 hours uh you know we need to get out on the tuesday and do you feel you did adequately demonstrate that yeah i mean i, I 
I, I think if uh, to go over a weekend where you've not got access to um, to our kind of advisors, you know, prof- the paid for professional advisors, um, but we've got access to our network, which you know has a lot of these kind of roles within it. To have on Monday morning at nine o'clock a package that we can put in front of professional advisors and say, right, which parts of this are weak or not weak and, and which parts are positive, uh, and for it to be virtually unaffected after the mm. uh, after, after it gone through the profession, you know, the the, the, the legals and accountants side, um, shows that we've done, a, you know, an amazing job. And the, the quality, you know, there's a lot of professionals in the shadow network and the quality of the... Of, of people like you know Howard and David and, uh, and Brendan, who's a non-exec who helped set it up as well, it was just exceptional. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. So, what's the difference then between the position where you say you're ready to go with this minority uh, position, and then all of a sudden this drops in your lap? Um, and what's the difference between that minority position and then? taking a possible majority shareholding what, yeah so, so, so what work did you have to do with that yeah so i mean first of all you've got to come up with the, the quantums change from most 10 million to at least 30 million um and so you know there's at least a threefold increase in the amount of money that you can get so uh, the the existing minority position limits the amount that high net worth people can put into a hundred thousand now there's a lot of High net worth Leeds fans could put in way more than a hundred thousand, but it deliberately limits that so that the controls on heritage and legacy are held by the vast majority of fans, the fans who've put in a hundred thousand. So the moment the easiest thing is to say, well, remove that limit and let somebody put ten million in. But the moment you do that, then all the people who've put into the CBS, their their ability to influence has has just disappeared because this you know that the, the it, unbalances, million, it unbalances yeah, yeah it unbalances it so effectively what we what we had to restructure and and and, and move it around was to uh, on the minority position the cbs invests into lfu the lfu is up to a hundred thousand high net worth people so that gives it some you know that gets it up to the say the five million or the ten million mark with these high net worth people but the power is still with all of the people and nobody can have if, you know, a hundred thousand on ten million, that's one percent. So nobody's got it's one share, despite the amount of money that goes. Yeah, in. It, yeah. So the 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 power, there is more power for somebody putting a hundred thousand in, but it's a power that doesn't uh, that can't control. You know, an individual can't grab control of it in the minority um, area. 
So once we went to a majority position and we needed much bigger sums of money from high net worth people, we couldn't have that same structure because the CBS wouldn't be powerful. So effectively, on, under, the under the majority position, all of the powers that LFU would have had are get, were given to the CBS. So in, in other words, the, those CBS up to £10,000, between £100 and £10,000, all the powers of legacy and heritage would go into the CBS and that would free up LFU to take much bigger amounts of money from high net worth people um, and without it affecting those powers on the heritage and legacy. So just to simplify it down for anybody who's sort of not no, fully no. up on the terms and it's quite a complex thing is so what we're saying we've got the CBS which buys into LFU yeah. but basically uh, you could take larger amounts of money into LFU but not dilute down the power of the majority that's what we're saying. Yeah so that that's how the majority state went so 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 all of the power of controlling the heritage and legacy uh sticks with the, the, num the hundred pound yeah. shareholders yeah. yeah and when you talk about heritage that's basically the things like the name of the club and things yeah. like that so yeah so it's it's the name of the club it's the location of the club the name of the ground and location of the ground the club colors uh and badge uh, you know the, the 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 heritage thing that we know that some what we'd call bad buyers would be keen to change you know we've seen it at Hull and at Cardiff and at other places and uh, so that so that that's the protection uh, of that obviously because we don't know I mean we've only had one work day Monday to ascertain exactly how much we'd be able to get in on on our high net worth Leeds fans if we're saying look we've now increased the cap from a hundred thousand to ten million uh, you know how much how much are you wanting to put in you know on this you know, we, we need to make sure that to have a credible plan that we can fill the gap, any gap that doesn't reach Massimo's at cost price. And that's where the third tier would have come in on the majority, which is uh, uh, interest free loans from high net worth Leeds fans. And this is this. We've got a lot of interest from people on this, which is, you know, high net worth Leeds fans who can put a million quid in on loan to Leeds United interest free, but would be paid say, and we haven't worked out exactly what this commercial rate would need to be, but would be paid, say, a million and a half when we get into the premiership, whenever that is, 20 years, 10 years, <laughs> two years, whatever. So the point being that from a cash flow point of view for the club, it's, it's interest-free versus the 10% plus figures that we're paying now. Um, um, and the payment is only triggered at that point that you know we come into the premiership and, and there's copious amounts of money there so that bridges a gap and then for credibility we talked about a fourth tier which would be what would be institutional debt which would be uh you know a, a major bank commercial borrowing commercial borrowing yeah. and we we think that that we think that that would obviously depends on how much the amount that massimo says is that you know that we prove is at cost on due diligence but that would be single digit so the net position would be our interest payments would be substantially down on where they are now um so in terms of that then people talking about what's the ongoing running cost situation well we'd have reduced costs on interest costs we'd have reduced cost on legal fees and and the various legal cases um we'd commercially be you know the the, the people in our exec are very well aware of um restructuring companies of this size and re, you know running them and so we'd get some some positives there we know that every fan owned club 
immediately gets increased attendances, increased season ticket sales, increased merchandising, uh, increased corporate hospitality, um, sponsorship. Already within this, the first four days of us announcing um, of the Friday, and as soon as we'd announced the, uh, you know, the, the structure, we got a you know a major organisation that's never shirt sponsored anybody before. Um, coming forward with an interest that if we took over to you know to, to do the shirt sponsoring now obviously they're commercial decisions you'd make at the time but it gives you an indication that we're that of, of the ama- amount of extra revenues and the reductions in costs that we'd get um, from from just doing what we're talking about so this argument that we wouldn't be able to run the club um, doesn't really work um, not not least finan- financial fair play is, is designed to make you work within your limits so we do that, but on top of that, we talked about um, buying back Elland Road, which is a no-brainer, really, in that it's um, there's an option at twenty million to buy it, and we're paying two million a year in rent. So, literally, if you can borrow money at less than ten percent, you it, it it makes sense. Again, there's a big interest from high net worth Leeds fans to do some kind of bond that would pay five percent, um, and that immediately gives another million pounds of money that can be spent on. Either you know stadium repairs or, or, or players or reduced season tickets or whatever you know however you want to play that, and then the final kind of chunk to that is that once we owned the club on the majority, we could bring a third party in at that point and bring them into the the, the club, but with all of our protections in place, we can choose who we bring in, and the difference is instead of them say they bring thirty million, instead of that going to an outgoing owner. That thirty million just goes straight onto the balance sheet as as money to spend. Um, it's so obvious that the way that we would do it, actually within financial fair play, would 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 have a you know more a more liquid club and a more uh, more working capital to play with. Do you think perhaps that was the thing? Because you know you've spoken about this weekend uh, happened. Mm-hmm. You, you put the structure in place. So Monday you're in a position to go. By Wednesday you've got statements from Massimo to the contrary. You know, yeah. uh, so obviously something's changed over the, this 48 hours. You know, who knows which side of the bed he woke up on? But um, do you think it was the idea perhaps of a third party getting involved? Because he's going to sit there thinking, well, if they're going to chuck 30 million into these lot, why can't I have that? Yeah, to be fair, no, I don't think that was part of it um, because that was that that part of it was very low key. Um, it wasn't part of um, you know the media briefing on, on on Tuesday. We we identified on as early as the Friday night as the the, the you know the, we tried to break the task down uh, and we identified as urgent important and, and literally we you know the, the number one first thing was urgent important is that Massimo could change his mind or we could be using us to smoke out other buyers or whatever um, and we got a choice of going well. We don't know that this is going to come to fruition, so let's not bother trying. Or let's take it as it is. It's been well-founded. We've, we've validated it and work on it. But with the knowledge that it could change his mind at some point. Um, and then when you actually think about that, really, it, it's better for him to change his mind as early as possible. Because as soon as we start spending the shareholders' money, remember, we've only got access to 10%. 90% in escrow. So the 10% that we've got access to is to do the deal. So as soon as we start spending that 10%, that's, we can't get that back. We've, we've reducing our chances of doing a deal. Less so have you spent line. any of that? Yeah. I mean, the, we, our first quarterly 
Uh, we had a meeting in back in July. We had a shareholders meeting where we shared all published all the everything that we spent, literally everything that, that that's been spent, and that's what we continue to do. It's very transparent. So. Uh, some people are saying that oh, we're taking a 10% commission on this. <laughs> what we're saying is we're only accessing 10% so that if we never manage to do a deal, then people who've put £100 in will get £90 back. Mm. Um, if we do a deal, obviously, then the money, you know, we'll, we'll use the money to, to do the deal. But at a serious point, we've we've got to be very careful because 10%, is not a you know not not a massive amount of money to do the deal you know it's great for giving people assurances that they're not going to you know that they can put a thousand pounds in and only risk a hundred but it it's um it makes it tight that we you know that we don't want to spend money where we don't have to so it was important that when in, in addressing what we'd identified as this problem we'd got to figure how we how we how we work against that risk. So that's where this push on exclusivity was really important to us because once we've got exclusivity, we're in a position that, that then that, that, that mind change can't happen, that we've got a free room. Probably probably we, we were looking for six months exclusivity, but we'd have negotiated it down to shorter if necessary. But six months exclusivity, especially under the time pressures that, that Massimo's under with the Football League and all the other things, the ball would have been entirely in our court to deliver on what, what what we could do um and you know if you ask me my honest position i would say if we'd assigned that exclusivity we would have become the owners of leeds united that's what uh, you know that's my you know position i truthfully think that's where we would have got to because we'd have had the time to deliver what was you know a very deliverable plan so what changed then between the monday and then the wednesday when all of a sudden we've gone from uh, this deal being lined up to it's not happening anymore I mean, really, that you know, we 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 know that we're going to need to deal with Massimo going forward, and it's there's there's no point us being unprofessional and having a tit for tat on you did this, you said that, or what, you know, or second guessing, you know, whether that there there was you know an absolute insincerity from the start, or it's just that you know there, there was surprise that we came back with such a professional package and it. Put, it didn't smoke out what you expected to happen because if the argument was that you're smoking out new buyers it actually created so much smoke that it's driven away and we know this it's driven away what we'd call bad buyers because what you've got is that people who didn't want to involve the fans have seen the the appetite that Leeds fans have got for this and the effect it had on the media I mean it's opened up massive debate across football and fan ownership across the all clubs in the country They've now seen that that the, these bad buyers. They've now seen that it's going to be really difficult to come into Leeds United and not involve the fans. Um, so rather than smoking out new buyers, it smoked away the bad buyers, such that you know we think the playing field's now left with generally good buyers, or at least bad buyers who are reevaluating how they can work with fans. Do we call Red Bull a bad buyer? Do you call Red Bull a bad buyer? That's a very good answer. <laughs> uh, so, so you say that about remaining uh, professional, um, kids in a sweet shop, fairy tales. Those are the quotes that that Massimo uh, put out in response to after the deal deal fell through. So, 
is it not hard to, to sit there and say I'm not I'm not going to respond to that? No, nah, it, it was Halloween, wasn't it? So it's, uh, you know we can uh, we can go with the sweet shop. I mean, what, what's your personal reaction to that? Then what do you think about I, that? It really, honestly, it really, really doesn't matter. You know, you think as Leeds fans, I mean, we sing. You know, we're not famous anymore. We sang that right from the start. It's not as if what people say to us really bothers us. I think we were we'd prepared over that weekend for so many different eventualities. I mean, right from the beginning, after the kind of euphoria of Friday night died down, people were saying to us, you know, he could backtrack. If you look at how he sold the club in Italy, you know, the, the deal wasn't done until the deal was done. So I think we were, you know, we had lots of different scenarios of how this might play out, you know, and then and then how we would respond accordingly. So I think it was just, you know, for us, it was just back to the minority stake and looking at how how that would work again. And it, and it was a specific play that the, the push on exclusivity Absolutely. was to, to bring this out sooner rather than later. Um, you know, it, this would be very, very damaging if we'd have spent, you know, 100,000 of shareholders' money and then I'm, you know, might be angry about it. But now it's fine. It's, you know, we're, we're left in a, a significantly stronger position now than we were seven days ago. Because at least you know. Well, yeah, and I think as well, if you look, you know, as as you were saying, Dylan, we've got, you know, the, the amount of, of, of interest around fan ownership uh, generally in football and, you know, and, and obviously, you know, people have talked about Leeds United in that context. But I think, you know, maybe two weeks ago, I don't know, maybe 10% of people who go to the ground knew who we were. You know, I think we'd be up way higher than that. I think, you know, people, people understand what we're about, or what we want to do uh, and, you know the the interest from from sort of the high net worth individual lead supporters, as Dylan said, has been massive. Um, so I think overall we're we're in a really positive position to carry on with what we were doing before, which was go for, you know, a minority stake. Is that is that what's next? Is that what, what you reverted to that position? Yeah, I think I think we we now know that we're capable of doing a minority or a majority position. Um, but we can do the minority position really rapidly. We, you know, we know where we're at. We don't have to do a whole lot of, um, you know, the, the extra kind of work that's involved with the majority position. So, you know, I think Sharon's right in saying that, you know, the, the things that are better now, I mean, not least, you know, we've got, uh, you know, we've got it very openly that Massimo wants to sell the club and he's trying to sell the club. That That's a massive, you know, change uh, in seven days. And it's very helpful because it allows us to have more substantive conversations with people about mm. taking a, a minority position with what we'd call a good buyer, um, third-party good buyer. Have you had any discussions with other parties then who are interested in buying the club? Yeah, I mean, I think we've, you know, we've we've said way back in July that there's, you know, there's several parties that uh, are interested in buying Leeds, um, and uh, you know, there's several good buyers that we call within that, when we say good buyers, which simply mean ones that are happy to have the fan engagement and, uh, you know, the fan ownership side. So it does look now like the, the club is up, up for sale. And where do you think that LFU is positioned within that then? Um, is it something you can get involved with with other buyers then? Would those uh, discussions continue to happen? Yeah, I mean, that, that that's where I say that it's there's no necessity for us to have a tit for tat with Massimo, um, you know, I've, I've had communication with Massimo since um, he pulled out, and it's cordial and friendly. Um, it's you know, we, we would like to go in, uh, you know, with a, a third party openly pre-deal uh, as, as part of that, and uh, you know, if I can see a scenario that you know, if we 
choose a third party that we think is correct for for the club and for the fans, and that and then we can go public with that. That puts them in a really massively positive position, gives fans something really positive to uh, hang on to. Um, so that that's the way I kind of see it panning out um, over the next, you know, weeks and months. One of the um, the major criticisms was always about the structure of the finance and, and something you touched on there. You had, you know, four levels of buying in and the fourth was, I say buying in, of financing rather, uh, the fourth was um, commercial debt. So that immediately set a lot of people to saying, oh, well, it's it's built on debt, it's built on borrowing. Um, how do you respond to that criticism? Yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, I mean, the, the level of interest payments would substantially go down under that model. I mean, it'd be substantially down. It'd be one of the ways that we'd be financing for, you know, either... You know, for, for either player sales or season tickets or whatever, you know, the, the, it would be uh, substantially down. So the, the, the argument doesn't hold any water. The idea of bringing in an institutional level um, is twofold, really, is that because we don't know the amount until we do the due diligence that uh, the at cost was, then we need to have that flexibility that it can extend beyond the money that we can raise purely from Leeds fans and Leeds fans' debt. It might be zero and it might be up to 10 million, let's say. Um, the other part of it is that, uh, and I thought that was kind of funny that people said, you haven't got proof of funds. Well, on Friday night, we were looking to do a minority deal. On Saturday and Sunday, you can't talk to anybody. So on, you know, on Monday, the, you know, you're somehow going to create you know, 30 or 40 million of, of proof of funds and bank accounts. That's not, that just isn't going to happen in the real world with anybody. But one of the ways you deal with proof of funds is to get an institutional uh, uh, partner who will underwrite what we're doing so that we would have been very quickly been able, probably within the week, to be able to have proof of funds, uh, underwritten proof of funds from from a a commercial provider who knew that they were getting the, the gap that we couldn't create from uh, you know from the fundraise that we we do over the following 30 days or so so how have you found it dealing with massimo then you know i i can only speak as i find and i have really liked spending time with him he's a very interesting guy very personable mm-hmm. um i would say 90 percent of the stuff that he says on a business point of view i agreed with 90%. Um, but obviously, from a, a Leeds fan's perspective, we, you know, we, we feel we can do better. Uh, and that's not, a, you know, a personal thing against Massimo because, you know, I find him very personable. Um, but, and most of the things he does, I'm, I think, you know, he's fine, but it's the things that we disagree with that we do differently. Um, but there's no need for us to have any kind of personal falling out. We, you know, we behave on a professional way, and we can continue to do that. I think you know he genuinely cares about the club. I mean, he's 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 very charming and nice to talk to, and I you know I think a lot of people say that you know when you meet him, he's a he's a nice guy and he cares. He genuinely cares about the club. You know, he's you know a lot of the conversations I had with him. You know, he was just talking about you know the players and the team and his thoughts on things. You know, he's he's you know, a nice guy just to sit and talk football with. Mm. I think, as Dylan says, it's that sort of ten percent of things that we as supporters don't agree with. It, you know, is where the, the challenge comes in. And I think I think it it almost should be put in the past tense in that I think he's 
disengaged yeah. now. He's ready to go. Do you yeah. genuinely believe I would, that's... I genuinely believe yeah, there's, that there's, from all the conversations that we've had. I, I, yeah, I'd be astonished if he came back. He's he's genuinely, he's just, he's you know, he's, he's openly said that in the media, and he's being clear. He, said he that wanted in the supporters group meeting that we had as well. Yeah, you know, he's he said all of that that you know he's just, you know, he's he's through. And- but you know, he's he's said this before from from a position of emotion. We spoke about earlier on. Could it not be that? Hang on a second. The team starts to climb up the table a little bit under this new manager of ours, and he changes his mind, and he thinks actually this might be better than I thought. Well, never, <laughs> ne- never say never, but I, I'd, I'd be, I'd be really surprised. I think, and and of course, that I think the football league of, you know, are, are very close to, um, you know, making any kind of position fairly difficult. So, uh, you know, I don't think that's. And he's got, he's got uh, another court case on, uh, on Monday, today. If this goes out on Monday, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, or if you're listening in the future, it's. That Monday in the past, yeah, in November. Um, so as Leeds fans, what do you want to see happen now if you take your LFU hat off for a minute? Well, I mean, you know, we've got to... If you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we um, you know, we, we watch as Leeds fans, not as LFU fans. Uh, you know, we've uh, got to avoid relegation. Um, and um, and that's that's the main thing. If we get some stability and avoid relegation, that's that's... That's all that matters for Leeds this season. Do you think that's the key to it, Sharon? It's perhaps stability is the thing that we don't get with Massimo? Because I've always believed he's, he's well-intentioned, but the instability will be the thing. Yeah, that... absolutely. You know, you can see that it affects what goes on on the pitch, you know, all the sort of instability behind the scenes. And I think, you know, I I'm a, I go to, to most games, I take my son who's nine, and he's never seen us be good. Like, he just never has. Mm. Everything's just always been kind of terrible and you know we 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 both take our, our sons and they watch it and they've just never seen what we've seen and what we've experienced and they were so excited after Huddersfield that you know we'd we'd scored three goals and, and it was <laughs> exciting to be a Leeds fan instead of kind of walking back to the car feeling a bit depressed and you know because that's what they're used to isn't it I think you know just uh, I believe we're at a point with the club now where you know we fans could actually affect change we could make an impact on on how our club goes forwards and, and and what happens. And and I think that's a really exciting thing to be part of. One final question then. Um, will you own Leeds United in 12 months' time? No, I, I won't own it, but the fans will probably have a minority stake. You think that's going to happen? I think, it's, I think we've gone above the 50% now. I think it's more likely than not in that I don't think, I don't think a buyer would uh, go ahead without some kind of fan involvement. I think if ever the time was 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 right for the fans to own part of Leeds United, I think it's now. I think it feels like everything's sort of starting to come together. There seems to be, you know, there, there's so much interest. We've, you know, we've had so many um, sort of emails and, and, and sort of messages of, of people saying how positive they are. And, and, and I, for me, I certainly feel there's there's a, a huge appetite for it. I think that's right. I think I think if we want it. We can have it now. That's that's the difference. If yeah. we want it, we can have it, um, and that's all to do with if we're united, then that's a powerful group um, that that the potential buyers can see that we're a united fan group and they need to engage with us. So if we want it as a fan group, I think we can have it, and it, it's just a question of letting you know letting all the scenarios play out, and we've got a strategy for every scenario. Um, 
and um, most of those end result is that we uh, we end up with a minority stake. And what do you say to the people who are doubting you or maybe rubbishing you on Twitter, <laughs> to, to the people who, who have not got a good word to say about Leeds fans United, what do you say to those people? Just ignore us. It's not relevant, is it? If you, if you, if you want fan ownership, what we're doing is, you know, going to get us fan ownership more likely than not. So supporters, if you don't want fan ownership, we'll either campaign against it and say, look, we absolutely don't want fan ownership. We'll set up an organisation to stop fan ownership. <laughs> um, but just commenting to us doesn't really add to anything, does it? I don't doesn't really affect us. But what if you're the the people who are, uh, suddenly find yourselves in possession of this majority shareholding of Leeds United and they're still saying, oh, I don't want these lot in. What what then? How do how do you engage with those people then? Uh, well, I, I think the CBS would still take um, investment. I think that's how it, how it works. Um, but, I mean, the point is if you can't have it both ways that you want to say in Leeds United and but don't want to say if it's Leeds fans owning Leeds United. Uh, yeah, that doesn't I, seem to I, make I sense. All, all the people, you know, who have doubts or, or, or questions, you know, that's absolutely fine. But, you know, clearly, you know, they are engaged in, in the topic of ownership of the club. You know, we've had so many people that have come in over the last however many years who, you know, who, who've got absolutely zero experience at all in running a football. I mean, GFH, mm. he, we have, you know, the skills and capabilities and contacts to make a good go of of making Leeds United a very successful football club. And I think the, the uh, response that we've had after Tuesday's um, uh, announcements from like the... the business and high net worth community in Leeds and beyond and the football kind of uh you know football related kind of parties i think that's that's been really really positive so they've got a belief in what we can do now um so if there's a few people who who don't agree with fan ownership or don't agree with Leeds fans having fan ownership then that, that, that's fine it's not really going to affect the major players within this because I think the major players are all now fairly much aligned um, that, that fan ownership is something that can happen at Leeds. And that seems like a perfect place to end it. So uh, thank you for coming to speak to us. We're really Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. The Square Ball Podcast.